This is the Real Life Runners podcast, episode number 287, The Difference Between Health and Performance, with Elizabeth Knight. If you're looking for ways to bring more joy into your running and you want to be a physically and mentally stronger runner, you're in the right place. This is the Real Life Runners podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. All right, runners, we have a treat today. We've got Elizabeth Knight on the podcast, and Elizabeth is going to bring a wealth of knowledge to you today. We're going to be talking about lots of different topics, specifically about the difference between health and performance and how sometimes when we're chasing performance, we can actually compromise our health. We get into a lot of really cool things here, and I just had such a fun time with Elizabeth on the podcast. She's one of those people, you know how sometimes you meet people and you feel like you were just meant to be friends because you think the same, you have the same ideas, you have the same values. That's kind of what happened on this podcast. And so you guys are probably going to notice a lot of the same themes that Elizabeth talks about here. You've probably heard here on the podcast before because she and I, our, our beliefs and kind of our stories and everything, our background, it is so aligned. It's kind of crazy. Um, and it was really fun talking to Elizabeth today. And I know that you are going to gain a ton from this episode. So A little bit about Elizabeth. She lives and runs in Portland, Oregon, and when she's not on the trails in Forest Park, she works as a nurse practitioner and owns an integrative health coaching practice called Flower Power Health, where she works with runners. She's passionate about science, inclusivity, and helping people approach their bodies with kindness and curiosity. A few of her favorite things are dogs, rock and roll, and pizza. So enjoy this episode with Elizabeth Knight, and thank you, Elizabeth, for joining us on the Real Life Runners podcast. All right, runners, we're in it for a treat today. We have Elizabeth Knight on the podcast. Elizabeth, hi, how are you? Hi, Angie, I'm great. It's nice to see you. I'm so glad that you're here. Um, Elizabeth is going, we're going to talk about a lot of fun things today, but let's start off um, just getting to know you a little bit better. So give us an idea of who you are and what you do. Yeah. So I'm Elizabeth. I am a health coach and a nurse practitioner. And so I do primary care, health care in some of my time. And in the rest of my time, I work with people, often athletes, runners, everyday athletes who want to really improve their health and feel awesome. And um, I take a science-based approach and an actively inclusive approach to making sure that everybody has access, not just to the kind of healthcare that you get in the healthcare system where you go and get antibiotics for your strep throat and cholesterol pills for your cholesterol, but really health care where you get to focus on how do I get myself feeling awesome? And and so that's what I do with my time. Um, as I said already, my training um, originally as a nurse practitioner, and I have a PhD in nursing science, and I'm also certified as a health coach and a running coach. That's awesome. I love how you talk about like quote unquote healthcare, right? Because like I agree with you so much. Like our healthcare system, at least here in this country in the United States, is not really about health. It's more about disease. Like it's basically disease care, not really healthcare. If we're just going to jump right into it, um, so. Kind of tell, tell, give us a little like idea of like how you went from like being an NP to kind of transitioning more into like the health coaching space. 
Yeah, absolutely. So to to back up even further, I started out my healthcare career as a cardiac ICU nurse. And so I was taking care of people who had MIs, heart attacks, people who had open heart surgery, you know, bypass surgery, and people who were really sort of not doing well at the far end of that spectrum. And a lot of those are, as you know, uh, diseases that could be uh, prevented or improved way, way, way earlier down the line. And by the time people were in my care, it really felt like you were trying to, you know, put a bandaid on, you know, a giant, huge problem. And so um, I eventually wanted to sort of work further, closer to the root of the problem. And so I went back to school to become a nurse practitioner and work in primary care. And I've been doing that for a number of years. And, you know, for me, that was a lot closer to feeling like I had more longer term relationships with people where we were able to do some counseling, do some discussion about how to make the, you know, the root of the problem a little bit better, but still working in, you know, like you said in in a minute ago, it's really a, you know, an illness care system, a disease care system. And so when you work in an insurance-based healthcare system and people are coming in to see you and you've got 20 minutes total for the visit, and you're kind of lucky if seven of those are you face to face with a patient, Mm -hmm. that you can't really help people develop systems and ways and habits and practices that will get them healthy, you might be able to stop or slow down the progress of disease. And to sort of feel like I was making you know, the, the kind of difference that I wanted to, to form the kind of relationships that I wanted to with people to really help people uncover the, the benefits that they could get from things like nutrition and exercise and sleep, you know, those stress management, those things that we all know are really, really powerful tools, not just for, you know, making your health metrics better, but just for feeling good, you know? Oh my gosh. It's have so the space true. For that. It's so true. And it's, I love that your story sounds so similar to my own. Like, you know, obviously you're in the nursing space and I'm in the physical therapy space, but it was like the same stuff. It was like seeing those chronic illnesses and those chronic diseases and that chronic pain in the same patients over and over and over again. And knowing that like, there has to be a better way. There has to be, you know, teaching them and getting them more proactive toward their own healthcare was such the key that was missing here. Yeah, definitely. And then I think just that the 2020 uh, vortex, right, that we're still kind of crawling out of, I think for a lot of people who work in healthcare, just sort of let us take a step back because things were so fractured and so sort of hectic and so mixed up that it gave us that sort of kick in the pants to say, hey, maybe now is the time to to do things a little bit differently. And so that's when I got my health coaching certification um, during that time period. Mm-hmm. And I've been working, you know, with with people in this space alongside my nurse practitioner practice since then. And I've just found it to be such a joy to be able to really meet people this way and really spend the time getting to know people, getting to know their values, sort of digging in much further into how can we make something that's going to work for you? Yeah, absolutely. Like I totally agree that it needs to be personalized. And I think that that's one of the things that's missing in a lot of um, spaces out there, especially like in a lot of different types of coaching. There's a lot of people, especially with the online space blowing up and expanding the way that it has, which is fantastic, right? Like clearly I am one of the people that is benefiting from that because now we're able to reach lots more people. It's There's nothing negative here, but the thing that 
makes it interesting is that the online space now has so many people in it. It's sometimes hard to like sift through and find the right information because there's so much out there. Right. And I think that that is both a blessing and a curse. Like there's so much information at our fingertips that it leads a lot of people to feeling overwhelmed. Yes, absolutely. And even with coaching, there's such a huge variety in what a coach might do. So whether that's a running coach or a health coach, you don't need any piece of paper that that allows you to coach, right? right. There's no licensing board for coaches, whether mm-hmm. that's health coaches or running coaches, or if you're both like me. And so you really don't know what you're getting in a lot of ways. And, you know, people will ask me sometimes, oh, well, do you have a training plan that, that I can get? And I said, well, I don't really do that because the, the core of my work is to really form a one-on-one relationship with somebody that's totally personalized and based on their needs. And do we sometimes come up with plans for how to, you know, work their running forward? Yes, absolutely. But I won't sell you a, you know, a 12 week program to prepare for your half marathon. That's the same as the one that everybody else can buy because you can get those, you know, those are out there. And if that's what you need, you can find one. Uh, but, it, but what I think is really the secret sauce for most people is, is really that individualized, where are you coming from? Where would you like to go and what's going to be the right path for you? Yeah. I, I could not agree succeed, more. Yeah. That's, that's what's, what's missing. It's like, well, they tried to do something that's really a cookie cutter and then they can't figure out why it didn't work for them. And it's because it wasn't built for them. A hundred percent. Like that is one of the things that we talk about with our clients all the time. So you are definitely speaking our language here because I think that that's really one of the things that leads so many runners into so much frustration and confusion, right? They think that they're doing the right things. They go to coach Google, right? And they find the training plan and they're like, okay, great. I can run a a half marathon in 12 weeks. I just have to follow this plan. But like what we always talk to people about is like, are you at even the space where you can start that plan safely, right? Like a lot of people just kind of skip that part. Like they're like, oh, okay, my runs have to start here and I have to run this many days per week and I have to do this. And, you know, it's not that simple, right? And and you need to be re- ready to like jump into a plan like that. And like you said, do, is that plan even the right one for you? Does that actually fit within your life? And does it fit within your goals? A lot of people have like time goals and they, they just kind of make them up too, right? Like they're like, oh, I want to run sub two hours because someone told me that that's how fast I should run a half marathon. And they have like no clue what that even means. Yeah, that is such a good point. And I and I think that a lot of the people who come to you and probably the people who who come to me, both of us, are they come to running because they they want it for a reason. And that reason is usually something to do with feeling good, with maybe a, a health goal, with um, maybe they had a doctor's visit and they got told you really need to exercise and they think running's the way to do it. Mm-hmm. Or they maybe want to um, change something about their body or they, they want that identity piece of this is for me. This is something that I get to do and excel at. And then somewhere along the way, they went to coach Google or, you know, there's, coach Google's cousin, Dr. Google, and I'm not a great fan of, um, and, and they find this information of exactly what you said. Oh, there's a time goal that they need to meet. Oh, they want to run a, you know, a sub two hour half marathon or, or something like that. And it's like, you got it twisted, right? You started saying, I want to be healthier. And you came out saying, I need to run a sub two hour half marathon. And there's a huge disconnect there that I think 
people don't really get from point A to point B. And sometimes chasing a sub two hour half marathon is like the highway to getting injured, not to getting healthy. It's like total cross purposes. And without a little help sort of sorting through where are you actually trying to go and what might be a path to get there, it's really easy to get lost. And I see that happen to a lot of people. Yeah, I do too. And so let's talk about that because I think that that's a really interesting topic that a lot of people don't even realize that there's a difference between, which is health and performance. Like coaching someone to improve their health through running is much different than coaching someone to improve their running performance. They can be similar in some ways, but in some ways they can be totally different. So when you work with people, do you typically work with people that are just in it to improve their health or do they usually have a performance goal as well? Well, I work with both. And what I will tell you and was what I tell them, which is that for about 90% of the way, those things work well together. Mm -hmm. And the best way to improve your performance as a runner is to improve your health. And so if we focus on those health metrics, your performance will come along for the ride. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we can talk about the very pointy end of that where, where they might converge or diverge a little bit further on. And, and, you know, that's, a, a different category from the people who I work with and the people who you work with. When we talk about the, you know, the very elite end of the spectrum, right. there might be places where that's not true, but for everyday runners, if you focus on improving your health, your performance will improve as well. And it doesn't necessarily go the other way. If you focus on performance, you can sacrifice health. So I always say, let's start with focusing on health and see what happens to your performance. And it requires trusting the process, right? Because it's really hard to let go of those ideas of, but what about my pace? And what I say is, well, pace is not a health metric. <laughs> you know? And that's really hard, I think, for people to wrap their brains around because we, if you read anything about running, that's what we see, you know, it's, it's 10 minute pace is too slow, or how am I going to get to a six minute pace or, you know, and that's just what's out there. You read runner's world that's out there. You look on Instagram that's out there. You listen to podcasts that's out there. And so it takes some sort of conscious undoing to start thinking about things that actually matter, um, to help. Yeah, I pace is not one of them. It, it's so true, and it's so funny because like one of our clients just a couple of weeks ago said they read an article, I believe it was in Runner's World, that said any if if you run slower than a ten minute mile, then you're a jogger and not a runner. Like to be oh, considered no. to be considered. I don't, I don't know if it's Runner's World. I shouldn't throw them under the bus, but they read this article somewhere that was like to be a runner, you have to run faster than a ten minute per mile pace. And I'm like, that is completely ridiculous and totally arbitrary that somebody just pulled, plucked a number out of the air and decided that that was going to be it. And part of what I think that not everybody realizes and understands too, is that the way that media is set up today, both traditional media and social media is like, it's set up to get people clicking and talking and commenting, right? And the more um, polarizing it is, the more people will share it, like it, comment on it because they want people right. arguing. Right. <laughs> right. And so they make these ridiculous claims just to get people clicking on it. When in reality, those that has no basis in any sort of real thing, especially in regards to health. And I love that you point out that like focusing on health can improve performance but focusing on performance does not always improve health. And I think that's such an important thing to remember. Yes, especially when you come into running 
for the purpose of improving your health. And so sort of keeping that value front and center, I think is, is really the key for a lot of people. And so that doesn't mean that you can't get faster and you can't focus on ways to get faster. You absolutely can. But when you're structuring your running program, you might want to focus less on things like pace and distance and focus more on things like time and effort, because those are the things that that's the language that your body speaks. Your body says, I ran hard for an hour, not, you know, I ran eight miles. Um, and so I think that that's one way that runners can start sort of reimagining their training that's health focused as opposed to outcome focused. And that doesn't mean that the outcomes won't improve. They will. <laughs> A hundred percent. And like, I just, I love like, everything you say just like fits so nicely into like our, the way that we coach our athletes. So I'm, lo I'm loving that people are hearing this from a different person as well. That's also very science-based, very evidence-based. Like this is the truth, you guys, like focusing on time and effort is such a better way, especially at the beginning to improve both your health and your performance. And I think that this is one of the things that a lot of people have a hard time mentally wrapping their heads around because they're used to looking at mileage. They're used to running at, you know, at a certain pace or like have those paces given to them by a coach, right? Like in order to get better, you need to run your tempo run between this pace and this pace. And they don't even know what that's supposed to feel like in their body. They're just like glued to their watch. So mm -hmm. to those people, like, how would you coach people that are like very hesitant to trying to adopt this new mindset of like minutes and effort versus mileage and pace? Yeah, I think one way to do it is to try to sort of mix them together a little bit at first. So say maybe one run a week, don't bring your watch with you or, you know, hide it under your sleeve and don't peek. <laughs> uh, that's easier said than done, right? Yeah. Uh, and sort of see how you can do with with mixing, mixing it up. And um, you don't have to let go of those things, right? You can still understand what your pace was. You can use those things to see your progress. But if you try maybe a little bit more of a mindful approach to a run where you're not looking at your pace during your run, where you're saying you can still have the data, right? You can have it later. <laughs> you can upload it and you can dig into it and you can do all that stuff, but don't let it drive you while you're out there. Um, see, maybe can you focus on something else while you're running? Can you replace that with um, today? I'm going to focus on my breath when I'm running. And if I catch my breath being, you know, ragged and hard to, to keep up with. That's the cue that like, oh, maybe that was a little bit harder than I was supposed to go. Mm -hmm. um, and using those body cues as opposed to the watch cues. Mm -hmm. um, and again, you don't have to get rid of it, right? You don't have to burn your Garmin, but you can use that as, as some information and not the only information. And so I think that's one way that people can start to sort of change the relationship there. And I think that if you sort of commit to, I want something to change, you know, I'm, I'm getting coached for a reason, you know, I, I paid you my hard earned cash. Mm -hmm. There's something that I want out of this. And, and what is it? And can you trust that doing it this way might get you there? And so let's really invest in that process. And I think for a lot of people, that's kind of the, the switch they have to flip. Is it like, yeah, I'm doing this on purpose. I paid you to tell me, you know, what you think. This is it. So let's give it a shot. Yeah, I totally agree. So let's 
Now I'm curious because you said um, kind of in the beginning that you were a health coach for runners. And I think that this is like very interesting because like that's basically what I consider myself too. But some people are like, but wait, aren't runners just automatically healthy, right? Like they just think that like, if you're a runner, then you're automatically healthy. Why would a runner need a health coach? So what kind of things do you like to focus on with your athletes to help them promote their health? Yeah. So health is, is not one dimensional. And I think that's true. A lot of people say, oh, running is healthy for you. Therefore, if you run, you are healthy, like you said. But how many runners do you know that maybe get up at five to get their run in? They have, you know, a shot of espresso, they go out for their run, they come back in, they work all day, they're super busy, they take maybe don't sit down for a few minutes to eat, Mm -hmm. they get to bed late, they got five hours of sleep, and then they hit repeat. And that's not healthy. Right? (laughs) You can do that for a while. Right? Mm -hmm. But if your goals are health focused, if you want to improve, say your blood pressure, if your doctor said like, Hey, let's improve your cholesterol level. If your doctor said like, wow, things are not looking great for your weight, maybe even, and that's your approach to it. You're you've got some holes. And so health coaching can help you identify. Maybe we need to sort out your sleep. Mm-hmm. And sleep is when recovery happens, right? So running is great. Running is awesome. Running breaks down tissues in your body. They get repaired when you sleep. They get, you know, the, the gains happen in between the runs, not just on them. And so sleep is a really important one for some people. And it's not just saying like, okay, well, you know, I'm the healthcare person and I told you, you need to sleep for eight hours a night. End of story. Do that. It's like, okay, what's stopping you from getting the sleep that you need? And how might we start to address that? And maybe it turns out that you could sleep an extra half hour in the morning and your run might be 15 minutes shorter and you cut out your Facebook time that day. And that might help you get your sleep in. Uh, you know, what's it going to be for you? So sleep is one. Nutrition is another huge one that we work on. And it's not just, you know, what do I eat during my long run or how do I finish my half marathon? But overall, you know, is your body super inflamed from all the hard stuff that you're doing and the stress that you're under? And so can we work on making some tweaks in the things that you're eating that will help you feel better? Another huge one is just resilience, stress management. And for some people, you know, running is great for that. And then for some people, it's an additional stressor. So how is that landing on you? You know, how how are you managing that? Are there things that we can do to help you make um, more space for sort of stress protective practices in your life. Mm-hmm. Those are some big ones. And then, you know, the running itself uh, oftentimes sorts itself out when we sort of start to address those other pieces that go along with it. Yeah. There's some other ones too, that are even more sort of, um, I don't want to say like woo woo or touchy feely, but sometimes it's really cultivating a sense of purpose and to say, you know, what are you doing this for, or what's driving you in your life? Um, that's a big one for a lot of people. Sometimes it's things about your environment, you know, is, is the, the places that you, that you spend your time, are there things that we can do to help make that more conducive to help, um, your health get better? Yeah. I think that like people are so, 
kind of um, used to separating the two, like separate, like this is my running over here and then this is the rest of my life. And like, they're just two separate entities. And one of the things that I'm hearing you say that I totally agree with is that these two things are totally related, right? Like your real life, whatever's happening with the stress and work and your family and everything else, that's going to affect your ability and how you feel on your runs and the progress that you're going to be able to make on your runs. And then, you know, same thing with your sleep and your nutrition. And it's all of these pieces that all fit together. And if one of those pieces is missing, or if one of those pieces is incomplete, that's another reason that you're not making the progress that you want to make in your running. Yeah. In your running or in whatever it is that you're measuring to, uh, to improve your health. And, you know, I think that's another point for, for some people is that how are you measuring progress? Yes. And it, it may not be that you're hitting a mileage goal or a pace goal. It might be something else. And, you know, this is why I encourage people to have, you know, their healthcare team involved too, especially if the reason they're getting involved in running is to improve health. And so, you know, what are those things that you actually want to see change mm -hmm. um, in, in the sort of quality improvement space in healthcare? We say, um, how do you know that a change uh, resulted in an improvement, mm -hmm. right? You changed something in your behavior. How do you know? And so I think that's a really important piece for a lot of people to say, what is that metric that you're looking for? Um, and that's why working with a, a healthcare team can be helpful when health is your goal, right? To say, was it that you had high blood pressure? Was it that you felt lousy? Was it a mood issue? You know, are you a person who has chronic pain and you want to see your pain improve? Mm -hmm. um, for some people, it might be weight, but I think that's a really tricky one because it, weight isn't necessarily a health metric. And I think that a lot of people really sort of glom onto that. They say, it's gotta be, I lose 10 pounds. And it's so my, you know, my question to those people is, and why would 10 pounds be the, the thing that you think is going to um, show that your health has improved is, you know, did, is that really a health piece for you or is it, you know, an aesthetic piece for you or is it something else? And that's not necessarily wrong. Um, but I think there's an overemphasis for a lot of people on weight and measuring weight. And you may not lose weight, even if you get healthier, you might have a body composition change that doesn't change your weight that makes you a healthier person, or you might say, well, I weigh exactly the same, but my blood pressure is healthier or my lung capacity improved or whatever else it is that you're going for. Yeah, for sure. And like, I think that's kind of goes to the point of like, weight is not the same thing as body fat, right? Like you can like losing weight, just changing the number on the scale doesn't mean that you're actually getting healthier if you're not changing some of the other metrics. So like you speak about kind of like metrics and ways to measure that and you've, you've started to, to, you know, kind of name some of those things. Um, what are some of the metrics that you like to use with your clients? Yeah. So it's, it's a really individual thing. And mm -hmm. so it, it's hard to come up with a sort of blanket answer to that question yeah. because people come into coaching with different problems and different goals and different um, outcomes in mind. And so somebody who comes in to me because they want to be more active and they're dealing with chronic pain from fibromyalgia, mm -hmm. their, um, their metric might be days where their pain is less than a four out of 10. Yeah. Whereas somebody who comes to me because their doctor said, well, your blood pressure has been creeping up for five years 
and you have to fix it or you're going on medication. Mm -hmm. It might be they go back to their doctor, you know, in six months and their blood pressure came down from, you know, 135 over 90 to, you know, 120 over 80. And that Mm -hmm. might be success for that person. So just like we need individual plans for every runner, we need individual goals and individual metrics. Mm -hmm. And there's not sort of a, a sort of spreadsheet of here are the things that you ought to be measuring to be healthy. Um, there's not sort of a checklist of like, yep, yep, yep. You got this, you got this, you got this, you're good to go. It's right. what is it that you particularly need that day? Yeah. Or it might be somebody, you know, with a blood sugar issue. They got, they got um, the information maybe that they are heading towards diabetes. Their A1C is, you know, 5.9 and it really ought to be 5.4. And so that might be the metric that we use. And right. I think that, you know, in health coaching and like with somebody like me, who's a, a health professional, those are the types of things that we can talk about that you maybe might not get um, from your like regular, you know, running coach. And mm-hmm. so if those are your specific needs, you need to get maybe your doctor involved and you're, and that's important, um, or sort of thinking about what are, yeah, what are the endpoints that are going to be valuable for you in improving the area of health that you're needing help with? Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned like your healthcare team. Can you speak a little bit more about like who should be on that healthcare team? Because I don't think that a lot of people necessarily think in that way. Like they're like, oh, I've got my doctor and I've got this person over here and I've got that person. Maybe they have a personal trainer. Maybe they have like, but like how, how should we kind of construct that healthcare team and get them working together so that it benefits us the most? Yeah, that is a great question. And I think it's a big challenge for a lot of people, especially um, the way that we sort of think about what we have access to and, you know, what gets paid for by insurance. And we have this sort of idea that, that everything is supposed to be part of our health insurance and that's, you know, how it works. And if it's not part of insurance, then it doesn't matter. And sometimes we access these important things through, you know, through a health insurance plan. And sometimes things that really are healthcare are not going to come from that. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's just important to sort of re review that a little bit. So, you know, when you think about your car insurance, right, taking your car to the car wash isn't covered by your car insurance, (laughs) you know? Um, so when you think about who's on your healthcare team, when we think about health in a broader way, we're not just thinking about, okay, well, when, when something goes really wrong, I get care and the rest of the time it, it's nothing. So that's kind of the, the bigger framing of that, that, that I just want to sort of have you keep in the back of your mind when you're thinking about your healthcare team. I love that analogy. That's fantastic. Cause it's so true, right? Like car washes, oil changes, like tire rotations, like all of the things to keep your car safe and running well is not covered by car insurance, right? The insurance right. is for like the random bad things that happen that you, you hope you never have to use it. And like, So why is it, do you think that we are like so conditioned to think about like, well, if my health insurance doesn't cover it, then it's not worthwhile to me. Yeah, it's really messy. And, you know, I think some of that is, is the history of the way health insurance works here. And some things are preventative that are covered that way, that healthcare is just really different from any other field that's out there and that we don't really have a super great understanding just as a general public about the ways that that's the case. And the economics of healthcare are exceedingly complicated in ways that I think we don't always understand either. 
Um, but so for the healthcare team, for, for most people, I think a really, really key part of that is to have a primary care provider. And a lot of people don't. I think especially a lot of younger people don't. We're sort of used to like, oh, I can go to urgent care when something crops up or I'll go to, you know, duck in the minute clinic or whatever it is, you get antibiotics for your sinus infection or urinary tract infection or, you know, mm-hmm. what your sprained ankle. And you can get away with that for a while, sure. But if you really want to take a more active approach to managing your health, building a relationship with a primary care provider is really, really helpful. Not just because they'll help you with those health maintenance things like, you know, it's time to get your cancer screening or, you know, checking your blood pressure, doing screening for depression and substance use, sort of all of those sort of um, background health maintenance items mm-hmm. in a way, but also because we can get to know each other's values. Mm-hmm. And for your doctor to understand, I, I say doctor, and that could be whoever your your primary care provider is. You could see a nurse practitioner. You might see a physician assistant. In some states, you can see a naturopathic doctor, but I'll just say when I'm saying doctor, primary care provider, mm-hmm. um, that that person is your sort of first point of contact when something comes up or you've got questions. And so that is a really, really helpful relationship to have in place. I think some people have really frustrating experiences with doctors because they come in and they say like, well, I'm having pain in my knee. And your doctor says, well, you should stop running, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And really what, what you might want to know is, can I safely continue to train? Do I need physical therapy? Do I need an x-ray? Can I run my race next month? Mm -hmm. And your doctor might think what you need is how can I make this pain stop immediately? Right. (laughs) So you've got totally different ideas about what the point of that encounter was. And if you have a primary care provider who you get to know over the years, you can skip that part of of the disconnect and you Mm -hmm. can have that conversation about what is it that you want to get out of this. And your doctor can understand like, oh, well, you know, if, if Angie's got knee pain and I send Angie to physical therapy, Angie's going to go and she's going to do the exercises and she's going to get better. And that's going to be great. Whereas somebody else might be like, no, I don't want to do the work. Um, just, mm-hmm. you know, tell me what to do to make it stop. Yeah. Right. And so understanding those differences is something that you can cultivate in a relationship with a primary care provider. So yeah. that's my number one um, recommendation in terms of the healthcare team. And, and then there's oh, other before, before you go on, I want to just like make a quick comment on that. Like, do you have any suggestions on like finding a good primary care? Because I think like I put like exactly what you said, right? Like a lot of times when people go to their doctor, the doctor just wants to give them an anti-inflammatory and tell them to stop running. And like as a runner, that's not what you're you're going to hear. It's not what you're going to do. And it makes us lose trust in the medical system. Because if you're if you just go to somebody and they say, well, don't do what you love, and it's like, well, no, like. I'm going to keep doing this. Like I want to keep doing this as long as I possibly can. I want your help to help me to do that. A lot of doctors out there, at least in, you know, my experience and also in, in talking to other people, they don't want to deal with that. They just want you to like stop running or give you the medication. Cause like you said, the medical system, it's like, they have to get you in and get you out. They have, you know, 10 to 20 minutes with you. They don't have that time. And so like, I hear what you're saying, like building that relationship is super important, but how do you like, what, what's your recommendation on like finding a good doctor that would like align with your values? Yeah, that's a great question. And and you're right. It's it's you've got these short visits and sometimes they're it's not that they don't care, it's that they just have to give you the quickest 
information, the quickest fix that they can. And so um, finding somebody who understands, you know, when you, when you don't have to go through all those steps of, of figuring out, you know, how are we going to approach this, that you yeah. can do it in 10 minutes when you're, when you're already kind of aligned. So a, a couple things that come to mind. One is, I think a lot of people overlook um, that sports medicine is the field that's available to everyone. And a lot of people, a lot of physicians are um, certified as sports medicine and primary care and um, a co-certified, um, dual certified, and that you can go to a sports medicine practice as primary care. Um, mm. And that is something that um, can be helpful for, I think, a lot of people who are more um, active minded. And, you know, that doesn't just mean that it's for like your pro athletes and it's not orthopedic surgery. Right. I think that's another misconception. Mm -hmm. Um, but people who are trained in sports medicine will perhaps be able to meet you where you're at a little bit better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think a big step there too, is like understanding that you're an athlete, like as a runner, you're an athlete participating in a sport, right? And I think that a lot of recreational runners have a disconnect because like, like you said, like you don't have to be an elite athlete to utilize a sports medicine doctor. You are an athlete participating in a sport and that's what the doctor's there to help you with. Yeah, that's such a good point. You know, that I had a conversation about this in my Facebook group a little while ago, and I, I asked people, do you identify as an athlete? Mm -hmm. And I have people who have done half Ironmans who said no. <laughs> I know it's mind boggling sometimes. Like it's the same thing. Like I, I have a, a friend that like, she was like one of my very first clients years ago. And she's like, had done multiple half marathons. And she's like, yeah, I'm not a runner. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, how, how do you not consider yourself a runner? Like, and, and not that running a half marathon automatically qualifies you as a runner, right? There's literally no qualification, but like, it's this disconnect I think that people have in their mind that like, oh, I have to run a certain pace or a certain um, distance, or I can't walk in, and also call myself a runner. If I do like a run walk, that doesn't really count. I'm a jogger or I'm not really a runner. Yeah, that's such a good point. Um, but but yes, that making that mindset shift to yeah. treating yourself like an athlete, mm -hmm. I think goes a long way towards helping you to sort of build these healthy practices and habits that will support your athletic life. Mm -hmm. Because if you are running, if you are run walking, if you are jogging, if you are hiking, if you're canoeing, like, I don't care. Those things are active. And mm -hmm. so you need to support that activity with the way that you care for your body. Mm -hmm. And if the term athlete doesn't resonate with you, okay, but, but think of yourself as an active human and treat your body that way. And yeah. so when you're constructing your approach to health care, right, mm -hmm. not just illness care, but health care, yeah. you need to account for those things. And so, um, yes. Yeah, so as we were talking about the, the sports medicine being not just for pro athletes, right? It's for anybody who is an active user of their body, mm -hmm. um, that that can be one way to find somebody, um, that's a good fit for you. You can also look at bios. Um, a lot of practices will have a, you know, biographies of the practitioners who work there, find mm -hmm. somebody who says they're active and yes. they'll get it. Yeah, I <laughs> um, agree. <laughs> even if they say it's not their specialty, you know, if it says, and you know, in her free time, Elizabeth, 
runs trail ultras, then you know that Elizabeth is probably a doctor who understands. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like whenever, whenever I like recommend people, like people are always asking me like for orthopedic recommendations. I'm like, go to this person. He's a runner. He'll understand like, because then they understand the mindset there too. Right. Like, I think that's a really huge piece is like having a doctor that understands that mindset of like, I want to continue with this. Like, I don't want just like you know, someone to tell me to stop running. And I think that that's a really big piece that I see as well that makes me very angry about the medical system with some, not the whole medical system, but certain people in it, right? Like is that they will tell people to stop running and, or that they shouldn't be runners or that their body wasn't built for this. And then people just believe it. And they just, well, I guess it's, I guess it's not for me. Instead of learning how to question that running or question that, person that would say that and say, well, maybe this just isn't the right doctor for me. Right. Not that running isn't for me. Right. It's that, okay, this is clearly not the person that's going to be able to help me here. Yeah. We can sort of put those things in the like buckets of bad advice that people get from healthcare providers. And, you know, it's unfortunate, but it's true that 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 happens and it happens in other areas too. It definitely happens with you you shouldn't be running or don't run, or that's not for you. It happens with weight stigma. It happens Mm -hmm. with people who are treated badly because they maybe are gender non-conforming. Like we have lots of ways that the medical system mistreats people. And because of the power dynamic that's sort of entrenched in our historical relationships with medical providers and the way that we think about that, you know, doctor, white coat, signs form, you know, (laughs) patient, like, yes, whatever you say, I think um, has, has really caused a lot of people, a lot of harm. And we're not sort of even, you know, even me, I have all of this training in this field. I work in this field. I myself am a primary care provider. Mm -hmm. When I go to see my primary care provider, I sometimes get tongue tied and have trouble speaking up for myself. Right. And so, so yeah, that's a huge problem. And I think that the more that we are able to sort of build those relationships with one um, primary care provider who we feel comfortable with, mm-hmm. um, the better we're able to advocate for ourselves in those situations and say, is this really the best way to do this? Or is this the only way to do this? Or, yeah. okay, let's say I'm not going to stop running. What else could we try? And even just being able to advocate for yourself in those small ways in a visit is really hard. And so that's something that I teach in my health coaching practice too, is, okay, let's prepare for that medical visit that you're going to have. What do you want to accomplish in that visit? How can you express that to your healthcare provider? And how can you, you know, sort of make sure that you've gotten your needs addressed by the time you leave? Mm-hmm. And sort of learning that process. And that's a skill and it doesn't come easily. And there's nobody who usually teaches us that, right? So mm-hmm. it's sort of how to get the most out of that visit. And often it starts with knowing what you want out of it, and then just being ready to sort of gently push back if you're not getting it. Yeah. Yeah. It's being able to be your own advocate, right? Like it's being able to advocate for what you want and what's important to you. And I think that that's one of the things that like drives people away from the medical medical system in a lot of ways is that they maybe have had that poor experience with a medical practitioner and they're like, yep, I'm just not going to do this. I'll just go to urgent care when I need it. You know, I'll just do this and just kind of like piecemeal it all together. Um, So going back to like our original question here of like, okay, so a good primary care doctor, who else should be on our healthcare team? 
Yeah. If you're an active person who uses your body, an athlete or runner, I think it's really great to have a relationship with a physical therapist. And I don't just say this because I know you're a physical therapist. That's okay. You can, you can like, you know, uh, approach my physical therapy hard all you want here. That it's a great thing to obviously to treat pain and injuries. And oftentimes we don't do it until it's like make or break. Right. And it would be great if you were able to see, even if it's just a few times a year to see a physical therapist and they can do a movement screen. They can look at those little things that are maybe a niggle right now and might be a major injury in six months. If you keep going the way that you're going right. and, and just almost for like a tune-up. And I know it, it's different in, in different States, but in many mm-hmm. places you don't need um, a referral to see a physical therapist, there's direct access. Yep. Um, but also your, your primary care provider can probably refer you to a physical therapist. Um, mm-hmm. if you manage to get still undone. Yeah. And um, same so thing goes with, person I recommend. yeah. And it's the same thing that goes with PTs as, as primary care. Like there are good and there are bad. I shouldn't say good and bad because everybody's just, you know, it is what it is, but there are people that are going to be more proactive with you and helping you figure out better ways to promote your activity level. And then there are going to be other th- physical therapists out there that'll just tell you, oh, well, you should just stop running. Like, and the, <laughs> it just drives me crazy, but that's, so you have to find the right one that's right for you. And the, what, like that aligns with the lifestyle that you want to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, there are some physical therapists who work in, you know, primarily in a system of doing right. uh, surgery rehab for, mm-hmm. for old, you know, older people who had yep. a hip replacement and that's probably not the right person for you. If right. what you want is help with your, with your running mechanics. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's another great um, a person to have on your team. And then in that vein, um, I would say having a massage therapist or some other type of body worker um, is a great piece as well. And that doesn't have to, again, be something that you do every week. You know, you're not a pro athlete. You don't have an unlimited budget and an unlimited amount of time, but that is another way that you can maybe address some areas where you might have tightness or discomfort, or you're, you know, you're getting stronger and it doesn't necessarily feel awesome immediately hundred percent of the time. And so that's another way you might be able to address pain or movement restrictions before they turn into injuries. Mm-hmm. And even if it's a couple times a year, that's, something that could really be a, a valuable tool for you. And again, somebody who you can have a relationship with, right. um, that's sort of a longer term way to help keep your body functioning well, help keep your body healthy, help keep you out of pain. I agree. So that's another great one. Yeah. Because when you, when you form relationships with these providers, then like you said, you don't have to take the time every single visit to like re-explain yourself. Like they know what's been going on. They know your journey. And then you just kind of update them with the newest piece of information. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so another one for a lot of people, not probably everybody needs this, but is um, a a dietitian or a a nutritionist. Mm -hmm. And for people who are maybe doing longer distances, more intense training, or Mm -hmm. anybody who has a history maybe of disordered eating, um, I think that's a really, really great professional to have in your corner. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you can just do a single consultation and that will be helpful. Um, Or maybe you need to work with somebody over a little bit longer term. Mm -hmm. So if you've ever struggled with sort of your eating, with your body image, um, with your weight, 
that can be really a, a powerful tool. Or if you struggle with GI issues in training, maybe you're maybe you're a longer distance runner and you're having trouble um, figuring out what you can eat that will fuel you appropriately for those longer runs that doesn't upset yeah. your stomach. That's a really, I think, powerful tool. And again, you're worth it. You're an active human. You know, this isn't something that's only for elite athletes. And I think that's another place that people have a misconception that like, I'm not good enough to need that. Yeah. Um, but it, it's for everybody and it's yeah. for people who really want to be healthy. And if you came in, you know, like we were talking about way back in the beginning with goals around doing this in a healthy way, then that, that a, a dietitian is somebody who can really be valuable in that because yeah. most of us have ideas and misconceptions about food and fueling that we got from, you know, just growing up in the world. You mm -hmm. know, if you grew up in the nineties, you weren't allowed to eat fat. If you right. grew up in the two thousands, you weren't allowed to eat carbs. Yep. <laughs> and so sort of learning how to unlearn that information, yes. I think is, is um, something that a, a dietitian can help you with. And, you know, as with coaching and other fields, there's different credentials out there. A, mm -hmm. a registered dietitian has um, the appropriate training to help pretty much anybody. Um, and not everybody who calls themselves a nutritionist does. Some people do, but not everybody. Right. So if you're needing a higher level, especially if you have any um, medical or eating disorder issues, a registered dietitian is the one for you. Yeah. Agreed. Um, anybody else that you think should be on our healthcare team? Yeah. Coach. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, you know, coaches, I think, are just valuable for people because we can give you individual advice and attention. Yeah. And you talked about this earlier about just wading through the information and misinformation that's available online. There's so much information now that it's almost worse than having no information yeah. because you can find something that sounds good and it might be completely the wrong approach for you. hundred percent. Yeah. It. You would yeah. never know it. It could be completely wrong. <laughs> Like, it's just yes. like anything, any information out there, you can literally find both sides of the coin, you know, whether it's healthcare or politics or whatever. And both of them are so, um, they're, they're written in such a way that makes you believe that they're a hundred percent correct. Right. But like, they're very different. <laughs> yes. Yes. And you will be very confused looking for information yes. and trying to apply it to yourself because you so will true. find, you know, you will find both completely different mm -hmm. um, opinions on everything. Yeah. And yes. without sort of working with somebody individually who can get to know your particular needs, who's a professional, there's, there's probably no way for you to know um, yeah. what's, what's right for you and what's garbage for you. And, and mm -hmm. so th I think that's, that's where a coach can really come in handy for a yeah. lot of people. And, you know, back to that same old thing, it's not just for professionals, you know, coaches can actually, I think, be most valuable in some ways to beginners who, who have yes. the, the least not knowledge. And so I love working with people who are just coming into being active, people who might not think they're like good enough to need a coach because they're not, you know, going to win the race. It's like, well, even better, you know, you have so much room to improve. Mm -hmm. You've got so much space here that we can really get things going for you. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not just, we're not just looking for 0.01% gain. We're going to make 10%. We're going to make 20% improvement, you know? Yeah. Um, and we can do it really fast mm -hmm. um, by just doing a few things. And so uh, that's, I think, a coach for anybody, but especially for people who are just sort of starting out in a journey of being more fit, more active and healthier. Yeah. I agree so much. It's, it's like, you know, 
think about your kids. If they're learning how to play a sport, right? Do you think that like a 10-year-old doesn't need a baseball coach, but yet a major league you know, you don't need a coach until you get to the major leagues. Like that makes no sense. Right. Like, and we accept that like in kids sports, like, of course, you're not going to just put your kid on a soccer team if there was no coach, right? Like there's going to be a coach because, but at different levels, there are different skills for that coach to teach and to help the athlete develop, to help the runner develop. Right. And so if you are just new on your health and running journey, there are going to be different skills that you need before you can move on to some of the higher level skills. And that's what a coach can help you figure out what, you know, kind of where your starting point is and how to progress best from that point forward. Yeah. And I think because one of the wonderful things about running is that it's simple, right? Mm -hmm. But I think that's also deceptive for a lot of people because they think it's, it's simple. I don't actually need to know anything. (laughs) I just need to go. And I just have to put some shoes on, Just put some shoes on and go. But (laughs) there's so much there that you could really benefit from and a lot of mistakes that you don't need to make. (laughs) I totally agree. But um, I mean, I, I feel like I could seriously talk to you about this all day (laughs) because like you and I are just like totally on the same wavelength with all of this. But, um, this has been such an amazing conversation. Is there anything else that you want to leave our listeners with, um, as we wrap up here that we haven't had time to talk about yet? Yeah, I think one thing that can help almost everybody is um, coming up with a system to track how you're progressing that's not just about your distance and your pace. And we we went to this earlier, but I I think if I wanted to leave people with one thing, it's it's, take a look at what you're doing in a more holistic way. Mm -hmm. And you can do this. There's lots of ways to do this. There's not one, you know, perfect way. Um, I, with, with my clients, I use a holistic training log, which I really like, which includes how are you sleeping? How is your energy today? Um, How did you feel overall, you know, and what was your workout? Mm -hmm. And so sort of keeping that sort of top of mind, I think will help people a lot to say, just broaden your lens a little bit and don't get hyper-focused on this one aspect of your training as though that were the only indicator that would be useful. And so if you, um, if you want to see the template that I use, you can certainly get it from my website, which is flowerpower.health runners. Um, and so that's available for anybody who wants to use it, but you don't have to use that. You can use a plain old notebook or you can use, you know, whatever you use to keep track of your runs. It's got a little memo section. Just put something in there that says, how was my energy? How was my sleep? Did I eat any vegetables? You know, whatever it is that you work out, that's going to be the things that you're focusing on and, and keep track because that's how you're going to know that you're getting better. Oh, that's so, so true. I love it. And we'll definitely put all those links in the show notes um, so that you guys can connect with Elizabeth. Um, what do you think, what is the best way for our listeners to connect with you? Like if they're loving what you're saying and they want to connect with you and possibly work with you, where can they find you? Yeah. So come find me on Instagram. I'm uh, at flowerpower.help and I put out just kind of fun, inspirational stuff over there. Sometimes a little sassy, I'm not going to lie. Um, so that's a great place. And if, you can get if they're listening to this podcast, there. if they're listening to this <laughs> podcast, they're used to a little sass. Don't worry. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then my website is just flowerpower.help. And that's where you can find all about my coaching services. You can find some free tools. You can find a blog with some of my opinions and um, science-based information as well. 
I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and just gifting us with all of your knowledge and experience. Um, I know that our listeners are going to absolutely love this episode. So you guys go connect with Elizabeth over on Instagram or on her website. You can find all that information in the show notes on our website as well over at realliferunners.com. And thank you, Elizabeth. We hope to connect with you again soon. Yeah, it's been so much fun, Angie. I just love having conversations like this. You made my day. Me too.